Well, good morning again, church. Uh, we are in a sermon series called Fruit of the Spirit. This week, the topic is goodness, goodness. And our scripture reading comes from two places. The first is from John 10, and the second is from 2 Peter 1. First from John 10, verses 11 through 15, Jesus speaking here, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I will lay down my life for the sheep. And then this from 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this word. We pray that you would open it up. Uh, wherever people are listening, God, in their car, in their home, out jogging, God, we just pray that your spirit would be upon them, that you would allow them to connect with this message about your goodness, uh, to see your glory break out in our lives and in this city. We love you, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Okay, this series, Fruit of the Spirit, here we go. Topic is goodness. And I don't know about you, but I personally, I've been loving this series. I've been loving and I've been challenged by this series. Uh, and uh, this is a week where I'm talking about the goodness of God and we're not seeing it displayed in the world around us. Uh, we're talking about being filled by the spirit and pursuing Jesus. And then we see things going on around us in our, in our community, in our church, even in our own life, certainly in the world that don't feel like fruitful. I'm preaching about goodness. I don't see goodness. I mean, that happened to me just this week where, um, you know, Friday's supposed to be my day off. And then I get a call, boom, Black Coffee Northwest. Someone tried to pry bar the front door and shattered uh, the, the door last Friday. And then just on Tuesday, uh, burglars, they succeeded. They broke a window. They got into black coffee. Multiple people, multiple times through the evening, stole a cash register. And, and <clears throat> when I'm with Erwin, the founder, and we're taking pictures, and I prayed for him, and I see him just, him just laboring because they feel like they're under attack. And he says, Scott, the two young black 16-year-old young women who opened the shop at six this morning, they're rattled. He's like, now you see what I see, man. Like, this is, a, this is a, right in our community and we're under attack. And so I've got to preach to you about goodness, though I'm reminded around me, often I can't see God's goodness at work. And then the scripture just seared into my brain when I was with Erwin. What, what Joseph said in Genesis 50, 20, that what you intended to harm me God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I love that verse that Joseph spoke. He had suffered evil at the hands of his brothers. And he said, what you intended to harm, God can use for good. That's a tricky verse in a lot of ways. We're not saying that God makes bad things happen. We're not being shallow or callous or fatalistic, but we're saying the Bible's full of this. 
that the, the goodness and the grace of God, God is so good and God has a capacity and ability to take broken situations and messed up people and hard interactions and, and make them good if we're willing to submit to his power and live out from the goodness of the Lord. And so as we talk about goodness today in this, in this series, we're gonna use this definition. The de- goodness is, is sweetness, it's profoundly useful, it's holy, pure, and righteous. And this comes from Titus 3. The word good is all over the book of Titus. Titus 3 says this, those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. That's what Paul was saying to Titus. As followers of good, God, we need to be good. We need to be, the Greek word is kalos. We need to be good. We need to be beautiful. We need to be wise. We need to do the good thing. We need to do the beautiful thing. We need to do the wise thing. We need to do the honest thing, do the worthy thing. And so today, as we kind of build out three elements of goodness, I'm gonna talk about goodness is being godly, and goodness is humble, and goodness is persistent. We're gonna look at godliness and humility and persistence in order to understand more how the goodness of God is meant to be on display in us, the people of God. So let's begin with this. Goodness is godly because in essence, Goodness is the character of God. God is by his nature good. And we know this from the scriptures. Exodus 33, 19, Moses wanted to see God. He he said, God, I just wanna see you. You've been talking to me. I've seen the bush. I've led your people. I just wanna see you, God. How often do we pray and cry out the same thing? I just wanna see you, God. And it says that when God shows up, God is so good to Moses He actually honors his request. They have such an intimate relationship. And it says that the presence of God went past Moses. And the Hebrew word is this word tub, is sweetness or a good character. So literally, this is how God described. God takes Moses up on the mountain. He passes before him. And it says that God, the goodness of him, passed before him. The very nature of God is good. So literally through the scriptures, goodness is godliness. And that's what Jesus says in John 10. I am the good shepherd. The hired hand runs away when the wolf comes. The wolf always comes. There are things in our world that are not good. I was reminded of that with Erwin today. Broken windows, racism, theft, not good. But Jesus says, I am good. That's who I am. I'm the good shepherd. I'm connected to the good father. I've left in you a good spirit. And so that's what we, as followers of God, we need to kind of never forget that goodness is godliness, that God himself is good. We forget how often, because we see the brokenness of the world and then we wonder, God, are you good? Like people I love are struggling. There's hatred all around God. Is this your character or are we just broken down here? This is, we have to be anchored in the scripture, in the character of God. We have to know, not just the textbook answer. What's the answer to Sunday school? Uh, Jesus, you know, you could not even be paying attention and like spurt it out. It's like, oh yes, Timmy, it is. It is Jesus, good answer. No, we need to be able to say, in our relationships, with our children, in our workplaces. I don't know why there's so much brokenness in the world, but God is good. 
We have to be able to say that. Like, listen to the scriptures, Nehemiah 9. The people ate to their full, they were well-nourished, and they reveled in the great goodness of God. Second Chronicles, now God, arise and come to your resting place. You and the ark of your might, may your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Psalm 116, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? Second Peter 1, his divine power has given us by his own glory and goodness. See, the character of God is good. And so goodness and godliness through the scriptures are intermingled. They're one and the same. And so for those of us that want to follow God in such a way that the characteristics of God grow in us like fruit, we must grow as good people doing good things with good hearts that can only come from one place. And that's more of a filling of God's power. Because if God is good, if I want to be a good man, like I use this language sometimes in my prayer journal. I use it. I'm like, God, I want to be a good man. And I'm not always good. No, I, I, I fail. But I want to hunger for the good. That happens not by me trying just to obsess about works. It happens with the filling of God's presence in my life. God, the good one. So as I'm full of God, then my life becomes more good because I'm acting out for more of these places of the infilling of God and not places of sin and distraction from what God wants to do in my life. This is obedience being so key, obedience. God, I want to be obedient to your goodness so that your goodness is on display in my life. The two key characters in the scriptures that model this, you know, characteristic of of God being good, really powerful, Joseph and Daniel. So Joseph, Genesis 50, I've already spoken about it. You meant evil, what you meant for evil, God used for good. That was Joseph. Joseph sold into slavery when he was a teenager by his brothers. He was enslaved. He was imprisoned. He was framed by Potiphar's wife. He waited. He was double-crossed. But Joseph never stopped being good. It's an incredible testimony because He's, Joseph was good through everything that he faced. And goodness is especially powerful in the midst of evil and imprisonment. And so when Joseph said, God used it for good, it's that same word, tova, as the Exodus. God, to goodness, tova. God used it for protection, for a bounty, for a benefit. Like you meant it for evil, but God took the brokenness around me and made good things come from it. And so this goodness as godliness character was also seen in Daniel. Interestingly enough, if you read, you know, Joseph's story in the book of Exodus or Daniel's story in the book of Daniel, you see these good men, both of them enslaved, both of them in prison, both of them framed. See, the world will not always be good to you, but God is always good. And in the book of Daniel, with enemies conspiring, it says in Daniel 6, they found no corruption in him because he had the character of godliness. He had this goodness no matter what he faced. Both of these men, their their imprisonment caused their goodness to shine. It wasn't fair what happened to them. And it's a reminder that things won't be in our life all good. We say it like, how are you? All good. Really? You're all good? Man, I wish I was all good. I'm not. No, in our life, things won't be all good. But God is always good. 
And so we just need to, even when things around us don't feel right, we need to hunger for more of God. Even when bad things are happening, I get that question often. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? As if there's this one and one cause and effect, like a contract that if we do good, we'll always experience these great things and our faith to flourish. But let's be clear, God doesn't will evil upon us. And God is against anything that thwarts the image of God and his people. And yet still there are times we'll suffer and God's goodness is still real. Like that's the surprising stories that comes throughout the scriptures. Like there are times when we'll, when we'll struggle and yet the goodness of God is meant to be believed in. We've got to have faith, especially in times of being enslaved or in prison or broken. When we suffer, we can want to mirror what's happened to us. And God's like, no, no, your goodness will shine the more difficult things are around you. Think about who Jesus called good, the good Samaritan. He reserved that word good for an outsider who displayed the character of godliness in his actions to someone who was hurting. He wasn't just the Samaritan. No, in Jesus' new way of teaching, he was the good Samaritan. Goodness comes as we love others in tangible acts of support or in validation and care. I was reading this week, uh, the Reverend William J. Barber, who's a civil rights activist, he, he used this character of goodness as acting in godly ways for others by saying this. He says that goodness is so key in any kind of reconciliation efforts to break down anything thwarting the image of God and people. He says this, uh, the Reverend William Barber does. As a public theologian, I tend to look at what has lifted us when we found ourselves at our lowest, what has called us to a better place. How are we as a nation and as a people using life itself to create good for the, for the broken and the captive and those who are made to feel unaccepted? See, goodness is godly. And so for us, we need to be Good to the people that God loves. Goodness is godliness. Second, goodness is humble. And humility is rooted in the reality that good actions don't save us, only the good Lord can. Um, I was sitting this week and I, I was thinking about all the places that Jesus talked about good. And do you remember this one really confusing time when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler? Like Jesus had this really interesting, and if we're honest, a little bit of a confusing narrative to the rich young ruler in Luke 10. Jesus, the, the rich young ruler comes up to him. He's done everything right. And then he says to Jesus, good teacher. And then Jesus says this, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now that's a problem for me theologically as I study it because of the, of the very doctrine of the Trinity Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit. And they're three, but they're one substance. So I'm confused by this, Jesus. Like, why would you say to the rich young ruler, no one is good except God if you are God? And it's like this surprising and hard to understand passage, but it's like Jesus is putting under into motion a key marker to goodness. And that is humility. That Jesus is like, I would be, the only person you could call good, and even me, I'm gonna lower myself in order that in my humility, I'll be full of God's goodness. There is this nature, the more we do good and people give us rewards and we're given medals and we're doing the good things, we have this tendency to take credit, to, to want to, like the rich young ruler, almost 
want to buy our way into the grace of God by our good actions. And Jesus is modeling this in the face of such brassness. Jesus said, only God is good. And by nature, he's saying, so I am good. But he's modeling humility comes. If you want to be good, you know how you'll be good? Submit to the Father. You want to lead in the season ahead? Be humble. You want power? Be humble. You want significance? Be humble. You want to be remembered? Be humble. Kneel before the Lord because the starting point for our authority will be in our submission to the Father. It will be our humility. Jesus, the Son of God, model this. No one is good enough for the love of God. So stop trying to earn yourself. No, just submit. Stop living by a checklist and seeking God's approval constantly. No, goodness happens as you submit. Humility is so key for followers of God, for Christians today. There's always the warning in Jesus' day, people trying to do good things without submitting in their spirit. Remember when Jesus taught about this? I think it's at the end of Matthew, and Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees. You're like whitewashed tombs. And then he would say, out of the overflow of a human's heart, their mouth speaks. And so if you want good actions, if you want to if you want to be good, you have to have this good heart. It happens in humility. It happens through submission. Nothing clears the deck more for God's goodness to flow out of our lives as followers of God than submission. I was Barnabas. It said he was a good man. Why was he good? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. But we want to be more good. We've got to empty ourselves of our own things that we're trying to do to be full of the very goodness of God. And that's a key distinction in goodness, that there's a distinction between being good and doing good. See, like our tendency is like we want to do good and then that we think that'll make us be good. But the scriptures say because of the grace of God who saved us before anything good that we can do, no, we can't We can't just have good actions and be transformed. Trans. Formation happens in full submission to the Father. And that's that humility piece. It's so key to know the distinction between being good and doing good. And so there's this key uh, quote. We're studying this teacher's, this Chris Wright uh, book called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. We can't be saved by good works. We're saved in order to do good works. That comes from Ephesians. We're not and could never be saved by any amount of good works, but we're saved by God's grace in order to live, transform lives in which doing good is a key part. And Wright points out Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, we've been saved in order to do good. We're not saved by being good. No, we're saved in order to do good. Listen to Ephesians 2. But because of God's great love for us, God who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in sin. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's all a gift in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved, listen for it through faith. And this not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so in humility, we admit our brokenness, our inability to, to do good all the time in order that 
in humility, God would establish us as the good ones. There's this incredible uh, verse in the Hebrew scriptures in the Talmud that's actually quoted at the end of Schindler's List. Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. And so in humility, we say, God, I can't earn my way to you, but would you use my life and let me participate in the goodness flowing in someone around me? Just one particular person, a child, a neighbor, a coworker, something that I can, I can be aware of the brokenness of the world, but right here, God, let me do good. And that's all we can control is that one step, that one interaction, that one moment. And then we just ask like the little boy with the fishes and the loaves, God, would you, would you bless and multiply that by your goodness? Like we can't make the word world good. We just seek in humility to be full of God's goodness. So goodness is, is godly and goodness is humble. And then finally, I just want to build this out a bit. Goodness is, is persistent. That God's goodness and his victory becomes our goodness through our struggles. There's this saying in the church of Africa, God is good. And everybody says all the time. And they say all the time, God is good. Or Psalm 136 say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. They're reminded that the battle belongs to the Lord. And similar to kindness, as we built out last week, that it, you can't really fake goodness. No, it needs to be lived out with this persistent hungering to see goodness in the lives of us as followers. Isaiah 58, when God's people live in God's way and model the goodness of God for others, then that will bring others to see the truth about God and to know and glorify themselves. 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Sounds easy. Let's just do the good. It's all good. It's not easy. Because in the, in the case of evil, our tendency is to pull back or try to match tactics we see around us. But living by the goodness of God becomes abundantly powerful when in the midst of the enemies and the lies and the junk, we remain rooted in the goodness of the Lord. And that happens with persistence. Listen to what the Bible warns us about, about the weariness that happens in the face of evil. But, but we must stay persistent to be reminded of the goodness of God. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good. Second Thessalonians 3. As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. So is there a battle between good and evil? There is. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It will not be easy. We will become distracted. There'll be times we may feel destroyed, but those that are seeking to Jesus and seeking to become more like Jesus can put the victory of Jesus at play in their life and stay persistent in their seeking out the good one, by the power of the cross. We must be persistent to experience goodness on this side of heaven. Or as the beautiful refrain from Psalm 23, 6 promises, surely God, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely God, surely. Surely church, you have God's goodness within you. Surely you do. And surely, church, I don't want you to tire, so be persistent. And church, I don't want you to get proud, so stay humble. 
And ultimately, church, I need you to know that goodness is not just something that you can do like the world tells you you can accumulate like a new pair of shoes. No, goodness is rooted in godliness. So may you seek the good one, the good shepherd. May you experience his goodness. And may the goodness of God carry you through the battles that you face each and every day so that like when windows are shattering a black coffee Northwest, that you can pray with people are suffering and saying what they intended for evil, God somehow through his power and his victory and his goodness, God can use it for good. There is a battle we face and we are unapologetic in saying the goodness of the God of our God will not depart. Psalm 27, 13, I'm gonna leave you with these words. I'm gonna pray us out of this space. Psalm 27, 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of our God in the land of the living. May you remain confident of that too, church. May you remain confident of the goodness of your God. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this good message, this good reminder of your good character. We pray as your church that we would be experiencing your goodness, we'd be moved to be humble and persistent. God, would your goodness break out in this city so people would know of your great love and power and might and goodness in their lives. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.